This morning's gospel lesson is known in theological circles as the Nazarene Manifesto. These particular verses serve to announce the simple truth that an encounter with Jesus is a life-changing experience. It tells all who have the ears to hear that those who have been relegated to life on the margins are soon to be on their way into the center, moving into a more egalitarian existence, the place where all the children of God have a place at the table with God. This is Jesus' ministry. This is Jesus' call. This is radical. This is the gospel. Luke places Jesus' first public appearance after his baptism in Nazareth, where he grew up. Now, Nazareth is no Jerusalem. It is backwater, poor, filled with hard scrabble folks who are barely getting by. It is likely they don't have a synagogue. They're likely to be gathering in a field. And it's Jesus' turn to read from the scripture. The customary pattern for this would be to read, then provide an interpretation of what's been read, and then debate the interpretation with all those who are present. Jesus is handed the scroll. He searches for a particular passage, and the one he selects is a combination of two chapters from 3rd Isaiah. This particular section of Isaiah was written to those who had returned to Israel from Babylonia, where they had lived in captivity and exile. It signals God is present here and now, anointing the prophet Isaiah to bring the good news to the poor to proclaim release of the captives to, um, and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, that being the year of Jubilee. It was as much a story for the people of Nazareth at that time as it was for the Israelites generations before. But after he reads, Jesus does something totally unexpected. He rolls up the scroll, hands it back to the attendant, and he sits down. As eyes gaze upon him, looking to him to the, for the expected interpretation and subsequent debate, Jesus simply states, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. In short, the message to all those present is, God is here among you right now. As of today, the game plan and the rules change. In Jesus, Debts will be canceled, sins forgiven, and people will be restored at home with the covenant of God. No human will be overlooked. No one is unworthy of God's good news. The other is uplifted. This is a message of radical liberation, words of justice, of care for the real needs of this world. And now, as it was then, we may not want to hear such things. The concept of Jubilee is very radical in its thinking. Jubilee first appears in the book of Leviticus. Its theory is the land lies fallow, debts are canceled, servants are offered their freedom, and the land is returned to its original owners. Its most prominent feature is it undermines the ability of a few to accumulate wealth at the expense of others. 
Jubilee mandates that every 50 years, the entire economic system must begin all over from scratch. Imagine that. While great news for those on the margins, this is not such great news for the status quo. It's a threat to all that we hold dear. We've worked hard for what we have, and we certainly do not want it taken away from us. We're all for a level playing field when it benefits us, but we aren't so crazy about the notion of level playing field when we see it as a threat to our well-being. Sometimes we need to be turned on our heads to see the wisdom and need for change. Make no mistake, Jesus meant to shake things up. The gospel is indeed intended to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. Bringing sight to the blind isn't just for those who are visually impaired, it's also bringing sight to those who fail to see the suffering of those around us, or hearing to those who do not hear the cries of those in need. Those of us who fall into these categories stand just as much in need of healing and restoration. The good news of Jesus, if we dare embrace it, heals both body and soul. The sweet release of the gospel for those held captive by cycles of poverty and also for those in bondage to the sins of greed, despair, lack of compassion, those who are poor in spirit. The sight that Jesus brings is for those made blind for physical reasons and for those blind to the love and grace of God. Jesus brings freedom to those oppressed and held in bondage by the isms of the world, racism, sexism, ageism, and to those oppressed by doubt or fear. He came to heal and to restore all of us, and he meant business. He came to share the wealth, enable to us to feast on the goodness of life in God. He ate with sinners, broke simple bread in abundance for a crowd, and engage the wealthy at private dinner parties. Jesus demonstrated what it means to live as if Jubilee was here, fully himself, freely mixing with all sorts and disregarding society's standards for belonging. We as 21st century Christians know that if Jesus is indeed the interpretation of the vision of third Isaiah, he is also truly to become the feast and the Jubilee. Impractical as Jubilee may seem to many, and viewed as an act of naivete by others, Jubilee is good news too and for a world that seeks to move towards the egalitarian world Jesus envisioned for us. Theologian Caroline Lewis says that Jesus' sermon in Nazareth is not for those who want to make their lives better, but for those who need to be set free to live the life God wants them to live the life God sees as possible for them, but have never known the freedom to make it happen or never been given the gift and opportunity to imagine it. Imagine living in a way that proclaims divisions no longer exist, that societal norms have no power to dictate a pecking order, that each of us, regardless of socioeconomic, educational, religious status, or by virtue of our gender, stand on equal footing. We may not be able to proclaim a year of Jubilee, but we can live it by being Christ's hands and heart in the world. Our baptismal co covenant embodies that expectation and it demands no less of us. 
In the name of the one who's given us life, amen.